single greatest thing I've done uh, for my family, personally and professionally, is to get really deep into self-development. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Uh, we've gotten to know a little bit about each other uh, through social media, and I admire uh, your, your workout regimen and uh, a lot of the ideas you have, and it's an honor to be on your show. Uh, you asked me you know, my, my story from the, from the get-go, from Jump Street, and uh, I guess the best way to describe uh, the way I grew up, I grew up in a really small town, a uh, total of 50 people in my graduating class, You know, uh, wow. no fire department, no gas station, you know, um, just you just kind of kind of a different kind of lifestyle and i actually looking back on it i really like that i was always an athlete uh, i played baseball my whole life and uh and uh just kind of tying in some of the baseball stuff with um, the car business you know i you know you know as well as i do people that play sports generally do pretty good in, in sales because uh there's stats you know there's a lot of competition things like that but i was a pitcher and i always wanted to throw that 90 mile an hour fastball and I got it up to about 85, 86, but Belco uh, right-handers that throw 85 or 86 are a dime a dozen. <laughs> so if I'd have been left-handed, you know, maybe I never would have uh, discovered the car business. But uh, even at a very young age, I was obsessed with learning and improving. I would go to the library in those days. I, I know that a lot of you millennials probably don't know what that is, but there was, there was a way to search articles on strengthening your arm to throw a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, everything from playing long catch to uh, throwing heavy oversized baseballs. And I, I would just research and research and practice and practice and practice. So I've always been a researcher and a learner. So when I, when I, when I got into the car business, I guess I can, when I got out of college, I immediately fell into the car business like most of us did, right? I lived in an apartment with a guy that worked in the parts department. And he said, hey, uh, the general manager of this store uh, went to the same college you did. And he was a pitcher just like you. He you'd probably get along with them, right? So I walk in there and immediately, you know, they hired me that day, the whole story, they throw you in a conference room with the vi videotapes and very little training. The impact that my managers had on me was was huge. I, I've always, throughout my whole career, I've always worked with some really talented managers that taught me, you know, not only the car business, but just about life, budgeting your money, women, everything. I mean, I really owe a lot of where what I've been able to accomplish in the car business for, for my managers. And I tell that story to my managers. I said, you know, will they be will they be talking about you 10 years from now on a podcast? I have a picture on my desk of my first manager that I, I idolized. I mean, if somebody said something bad about him, you know, I'd, I'd hit him in the head with a tire iron. I mean, I wanted to tie my tie just like him. I, 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 I always... Uh, had a goal of getting the exact watch that he had. He was really a nice dresser and had this really nice watch. And two years into the car business, I, I had enough money to buy that watch. So what I'm saying is I, I wanted to be him in the worst way. So I tell my I tell that story to my managers. I say, when you walk around the corner and leave, do your salespeople go like this? Or do they, you know, are they sitting up straighter for you? That's that's really what it takes to be a manager. Just rewinding it a little bit. So when I started in the car business, that influence of my managers was huge. 
And the good news is I got off to a good start. And for somebody who's shy, like I was, I just did not want to stand out. I wanted to hide into a corner and, and, you know, and I walked into that conference room and on the board was what, not what everybody sold the month before, but what they earned in their pocket. Yeah. So I remember this is 1988 and somebody made over 10 grand and my eyes, you know, I couldn't believe it. And then at the bottom of the board, somebody made $800 and I, I said, I'll do anything not to be at the bottom of that board. That's a, that's a great idea. That was my driving force to do whatever I had to do to not be on the bottom of that board. So that driving force made me study. It made me learn the product. It made me observe good salespeople around me. So I, I immediately got off to a good start basically by just treating people like they're your grandparents. You know, if you were going to, to greet your grandparents at a bus station on Thanksgiving, you would, you know, hold doors open for them. You'd carry their luggage. You'd smile. You'd get them something to drink. I just really did that and landed them on a car. And then I would bring them inside. My managers would close. I figured I'm just going to be nice to people, land them on the car, and then let the manager do the rest. But then I paid attention to the closes that the manager would use. I started writing down, you know, I'm here, you're here, the car's here. I like you, you like me. Let's go ahead and write it up or let's cross the T's and that, you know, all the little sayings that they would say, the little quips or word tracks that they would use. And if I thought they were dumb, I wouldn't write them down. But if I thought those were pretty cool, I'd write those down. And then sooner or later, I got confidence. And then I started closing deals for myself. I started figuring out how to make money. I started to like money and what you could do with money. And uh, so I evolved very quickly and I became the number one salesperson there very quickly. And then um, like a lot of salespeople, I got manageritis. You know, I wanted to be that manager, have that manager title, you know? So by default, I sort of got the position because um, somebody didn't want it. But the reason I got the job is number one, I was a rule follower. I was there on time. I did the training. I was not a problem. And that's a lesson for anybody out there who wants to be promoted. You know, can you imagine when they, if they promote the guy who's always late, who's always a problem, who doesn't sell value, who, rip, who doesn't call their guests back? You know, just, you know, the type. So you're never going to get promoted if you're that kind of person. It, it so, happens all the time when the, the guy that makes the most money gets promoted to the, to the manager. Yeah. Yeah, but that in this case, I was so young and inexperienced, really only selling cars for three or four years. But I was that I had the, the fact that I was the number one salesperson, that I did it the right way. So it wasn't that big of a like shock to everyone that I'm the sales manager now. I was a little young, but so I I really learned my craft. I, I remember how old were you when you became a sales manager? Probably 25, I'd say 24, 25. Well, I have a very you. large, yeah, I have a very large Chevy store. So, um, so I would learn. So one of the biggest epiphanies for me in that that stage of the game, you know, I was just getting by on sheer enthusiasm and um, the wanting to make money. You know, the car business was was fun to me. I loved coming to work. Is that I went to I got involved with Tony Robbins, and I was one of the early adopters of Tony Robbins' Personal Power uh, program. Uh, you know, it's all about taking action and and uh, modeling people who are successful. That's that's a, that's something that I've done my whole life of finding someone who I want to be like or has what I want or does what I want to do. And I do very, very deep research on those people and find out what makes them tick, what they have for breakfast. What is it that, and then why, you know, Tony says, why reinvent the wheel? You know, do what they do and the same things happen to you. So that's just two of 10,000 takeaways that I've gotten from Tony Robbins uh, teachings. 
So uh, fast forward a little bit, I became the general sales manager at that store. Then later on became the general manager of the store. And the owner um, unfortunately passed away young and they sold the store. My wife is from Michigan. Uh, I had 20 group members that were in Michigan and I had to decide what I was gonna do. And I took a flyer uh, on a dealer that was uh, in Southgate, Michigan. I'm glad I did. It was Genthy Chevrolet. I worked there for four years. I had a great time there. It was a totally different market than Chicago with GM employee and leasing. So it was a, it was a challenge. It was, it was, it was great for me because uh, to really test my skills. When you work at the same place for 25 years, you know, and you're not working there anymore and you're going somewhere where nobody knows you, you're going to the meetings where everybody used to know who you were, Mr. Yeah. Corvette. Now you're going, nobody knows you, you know? So, but the best part of the Michigan story was I had an hour and 15 minute commute every day, but I used to complain about the commute, complain about the commute until people stopped saying, you know, stop complaining about it. You made that decision. But what I ended up doing was pouring myself into podcasts, autobiographies, books on, you know, Apple, uh, iTunes. And it was my learning capsule for three hours a day. So on the way to work, on the way back, I would do nothing but go through books, go through books, audio books. And that, that has been one of the greatest things that I did for my career because I really got to know uh, some of the latest, I mean, whether it be NADA convention webinars, I mean, never was what I listen to music. My wife to this day thinks I'm nuts because when I run, I listen to, you know, I might be listening to you, Velco, while I'm running. She thinks I'm crazy, but, you know, that's that's just how I'm wired. I'm, I want to get better. I want to learn. And um, and it's fun to me. It isn't, it isn't, it isn't work. So um, you have to be open to having good luck. You have to be, I mean, if you're somebody that thinks negative all the time, why, why don't I get bones? Why uh, does the manager steal my trades? Why is there no traffic? Why, why, why? Instead of saying to yourself, well, how can I come to work with an enthusiasm that's unknown to mankind? How can I be the likely person that the internet manager gives leads to? How can I be the only salesperson that the sales service advisors respect and, and trust? that to send me, these are these questions to ask all day long. How can I, how can I, how can I, instead of complaining? And when you think like that, your luck changes. And I, you know, I don't know how this sounds to everybody out there, but I can tell you it's, it's worked for me and it's worked for a lot of people that I've turned on to Think and Grow Rich or the Auto Suggestion or Tony Robbins or whatever, but it's the single greatest thing I've done uh, for my family, personally and professionally, is to get really deep into self-development. So that's how I ended up to ta in Tampa. Just a blind um, recruiter phone call that called me from, they knew me from Bill Jacobs, and they knew that I worked at a Chevy store for 25 years. They knew it was a family-owned and operating store. But the store I'm working at right now is the crown jewel. I, I, I believe that I, I was able, I was given a gift by um, uh, landing that position as the general manager of that store with number one, the way that the Furman family treats their employees. I've never been treated more special than I have at this organization. The opportunity that exists, uh, the largest Ford store in the country is right across the street. One of the biggest Toyota and Honda stores are right on my road that the store is on, the economy is booming in Tampa. It's 80 degrees today, Velco. I mean, wow. it's just, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah so uh, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry about that, but uh, I am just so blessed. The car business to me has been phenomenal. And uh, 
and lastly, I'll just sum it up that if I can do it, anybody can do it. You said a few things that really made a um, big difference for me. The first thing you mentioned is comparing the car business and really any business with sports. And I think it's 99% the same. We have teams, we have goals, we have coaches, we have uh, management, we have Special teams, um, F and I. We have know, we service have captains. Parts. We have mm -hmm. yeah, service parts, which would be probably the. the I totally look. I totally look at it that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And but the reason why we're not hundred percent like sports is because we don't train like sports. Right. That's the only difference. We don't train like sports. In sports, you're playing the game very, very minimal. It's you're practicing more than you're playing. Yeah, you know, at football, bat, professional basketball, or whatever, a lot of them are practice, especially football. You're practicing a lot more than you're playing. You you're, know, you're, you're practicing a lot more than you're playing, and mm -hmm. and then if you want to be competitive player, you have to practice outside of your your team practice. You have to yeah. practice your own. Like uh, here in Chicago, I'm sure you were here for uh, for the the Bulls, the great Bulls in the '90s, yes. and there's some stories here about Jordan that they, they were uh, Phil Jackson was crazy. He was making him practice twice a day for three hours for each practice. And between practices, they had like a three hour break. Jordan would pick up games around the United center with, uh, with on the street. Yeah. So he wouldn't go take a nap or get lunch. He would play even more. So yeah. that's kind of like guys like you and, and guys like me and guys like the people that excel in the car business. That's how they are. They, they yeah. would, after a 12-hour day at the dealership, they would drive home, not thinking about what they're going to watch on Netflix, but thinking about, man, why did I not sell this car? What what yeah. did I do wrong? Uh, I don't want to ever lose again on the same objection, you know, just progressive people who who want to grow. So there's always four stages of of reaching a goal or, or, or achieving something, right? The first stage is inception, when you're super excited, when you want to start things, like people... People see the transformation. They see the picture before and after, and they they call me and they say, "Velko, I want to I want to do this. I want to start this." So everybody's like, "I'm gonna finish it, man. I'm gonna crush it." And then the second stage is on the next day. Uh, it's called deception. That's when it's starting to suck. That's when you actually have to put in the work. When you have to see no results for three days. When you have right. to uh, do things that are uncomfortable, things mm -hmm. that suck. And 99% of people drop in that deception exactly. stage. And the same thing with that, and I'll let you continue, is making phone calls or text messages or emails yep. is that a lot of people probably with good intentions say, you know what, I just watched the the Bill Have webinar or the Jonathan Dawson thing on social media because there's no shortage of information now on how to be successful. I'm going to try this tomorrow. So they maybe they make 80 phone calls. They talk to three people in service. They do this, and it doesn't work for three days, and they give up. Yeah. See, that's the same thing with working out in the six pack abs. It, you got to keep, you, first of all, you got to have faith that what you're doing is going to work out. That's another principle of thinking, grow rich, having that faith that it's going to work out. And you just, right. and don't let anybody throw you off your game. Just keep doing it, keep doing it, and come doing it. And then you're going to wake up one day and you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to see that ripple of that six pack ab, which is success or your paycheck or whatever it is you're after. I'm sure that you, you went through that and that, you, you, like you said, you got to get past that number two step. Yeah, once when you go past the deception, 
and you start to see some results, you move into the transformation stage and you, you can see there's hope. And if you stick through the transformation stage and you continue to invest, continue to, there's hope. And then you finally, when you do enough in the transformation stage, when you continue to learn, when you continue to grow, when you continue that momentum, yeah. eventually you move into identity. And one day you wake up, you look back and it feels like you've always done this. Just yeah. like you become that person being, being a car guy for you. It's your identity. Like, yeah. uh, you can, you, if you go to any other business, you can't change, but to be, yes. be that salesperson, right? You, you, it so feels like you were born to be I, a salesperson. I, I, you know, like Tony Robbins says it all the times that he created this person. Yeah. He created Tony Robbins. And I, and I created this car guy. I mean, I was a shy, C student that was afraid of his own shadow and and um, over time just from stacking education stacking learning lucky to have good managers because that's a, obviously a uh, an important part of it and lucky to be in good stores it's a two you know it's not just it isn't just what I did it's also the luck there's some luck involved in it to some degree but these days there's very little luck involved because all the information is out there if you want to make well if you want to learn how to make the world's best pancakes you can go on youtube and make them that's right right back in you know when i started in the car business there was very little information on how to be successful now it's it's strictly action that's it what i love uh about you is that you're very progressive and you're a visionary so what do you think is going to happen in the car business in the next five years uh what do you think how do you think our industry is going to look in 2025 do you think Amazon is going to get involved? Yeah. Do you think Caravana is going to get a larger market share? Do you think that we're going to have more of those hybrid F&I offices now, uh, one-stop shop? Efficiency is going to have to have to step in because people are sick of the four-hour turnover, right? So yeah. what do you think is going to happen? Well, the as far as Carvana or Amazon taking over, what prevents that from happening now are the franchise laws. The dealership franchise agreements with the manufacturers are pretty ironclad. They can't be broken. So you're never going to see Amazon and you're never going to see car, or these big, big box people take over new cars. Now, is it possible that these franchise laws could be broken with some legislation or some certain politician? If that were to happen, it would be over already because these Amazons would, would, would take this whole car game. And because, you know, as a whole, the dealerships with the turnover and the CSI you know, they have they have the resources to just turn that around and turn it into a, a one one stop one click buy a car. But that's not going to happen with the franchise laws. But they have but the used cars are a different story. But again, they can't get the, the they can't get the trade ins. You see, the trade ins are still the, that is the best part about being a dealer are the trade ins. So the Carvanas aren't getting you know they're getting trade ins to some extent, but they're paying all the money for them. So that's I just don't see. I still think people want to come into a brick and mortar place to drive a car. It's a big purchase. They, they want to see it. They want to feel it. And there's one on every corner, a car dealership. So I don't see how uh, that could turn into like an Airbnb or an Uber uh, that, that much. I don't see that, that happening. Uh, so what do you think needs to be taken away from the car dealers right now? What are some of the things that are extremely outdated and we got to forget about them and just remove them from the environment? Mm -hmm. And what are some things that are bedrocks and, and they need to stay and we're kind of getting away from them? 
Well, I think about that all the time, and I say this all the time, that if you were in college and, and the professor said, over the summer, I want you to design a process for uh, retailing and servicing automobiles, and pretend there is no system for that, like retailing and servicing automobiles as a brand new concept. And over the summer, I want you to come up with the process. And I bet you the process would not be, okay, we're going to have 10 people stand outside and smoke cigarettes with sunglasses on waiting for a, someone to pull on the lot. And then we're going to hire another group of people that can, that will answer the phone and, and can fill out a, an e can send an email with correct, never correct, cars in correct grammar. And then we'll hire more people to deliver the car because the people smoking cigarettes don't won't deliver the car because they're, they don't care. Or then we're going to hire more and more layers of departments to do the job that other people are supposed to do. And, and we do a lot of this stuff. I'm just saying I, I like to look at this as a completely fresh chalkboard that's been erased and say there's different ways to do it. And, and one of the things I'd like to do is, is get a room full of millennials and ask them what they would do. Get a differently different perspective of what, what would you do if this was your, how would you do it? You know, I'd love to hear that. I want to ask you one more question uh, before we go. And that question is, what would you, what would you, say to encourage people who are just joining the car business why should they stay what should they do if they're not in the proper environment how can they survive okay um facebook number one facebook groups are invaluable uh i can't tell you how many groups that i'm in that i throw questions out and i can get 60 different opinions and comments from nebraska to new york to california maybe it's about you know, equity mining, or maybe it's about this or that and the other thing. So if I'm starting at a dealership, I want to join Facebook groups of other salespeople. So if something happens that day that you didn't understand that the manager yelled at you because you didn't turn the guest over to the manager and you don't even know what a turnover is or why that's important. And there's nobody else to talk to about it. You can go on your Facebook group and say, this happened to me today. And you can learn from these people. It's a support system. Facebook, again, webinars, Find out who's crushing it. People like uh, Bill Have and Frank Crenitti, these guys aren't rocket scientists. They're just average people like you and me who are making, you know, half a million dollars a year and making their own schedule and living a life that most people would only dream about. But it's not like there's some scientist with some IQ that's, you know, it's, I mean, if you, if you, anybody can do it, right? So the, the content that's out there right now of very, very successful car salespeople is amazing. Uh, there's, if you're a female, there's tons of female role models out there of women that do it a little bit differently in the car business. Younger, older, uh, Sean Hayes, for example. I mean, you'd get to go scroll into his Facebook from day one when he first started and watch those. Um, there's just no shortage of information. And the next, but, but even through Facebook, you can find out where a good store is. You can just tell by the people that work there because getting into a good store is really important. I mean, not only because there has to be an opportunity there. How do you recognize a, a good store? How do you interview the management team? How, if, if I want to start selling cars right now, how do I pick the best dealership, the dealership that will invest in me? Well, if they don't know, if they don't know who you are, then probably it's not a place that you want to go work. If they don't know your name, if they don't know Sean Hayes' name, if they don't know Rise and Grind, if they don't know the latest, you know, cutting edge, modern discussions and content 
on the automobile business, then they're stuck probably still in the 1980s and 90s, which is no good. So they got to be progressive thinkers. I, and it's funny because I can see who I who works for me, what if they're also in the same group I'm in. You know, if I'm a member of the millionaire million dollar salesman podcast of uh, Sean V. Bradley, I see other what other salespeople or managers or F and I people in my at work that are also in that group. That tells me something. You know, it tells That's me great. that they're 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 into learning. It tells me that they're try that it's a, this is important to them. That this isn't just a job. That they're, that they're punching in and out and they never even think about work. You know, besides my my daughter and my wife and one other couple other personal things this car business is the first thing i think about in the morning and the last thing i think about before i go to bed and you know i get it that it may not be that important to some but you know you gotta you gotta make something your life's work that you have to be passionate about to say you know you know i did this or this is this is what i'm all about or this was the purpose of my life when, when, when the purpose of your life or your passions align with your work, I mean, that's really, that's really when you're rich. And yeah. like I said, at the very beginning is give the car business a chance. And if you, if you're, if you think you're in a bad store with a bad culture, you know, like Sean says all the time, change it. You know, people are operating and moving all the time, especially if you don't have kids and you're young, take a chance, go for it. You know, go work with Sean Hayes, come down and work for me, you know, uh, how can people get a hold of you if somebody wants to work for you? How can people get a hold of you? I know you're in Florida, in Tampa. Yeah. So if people are around St. Pete in that area, they can come and work for you. How yeah. can they get a hold of you? Probably Facebook Messenger would be the best way. Just look me up, uh, search me up there, and uh, I'm sure there's a link on your thing here. And uh, yeah, I mean, Florida is the, is a great place to sell cars because. Uh, well, first of all, to live because of, there's no state income tax, number one, and the, and the climate, obviously, for those reasons. And the economy is on fire. And, Man, I got to uh, move to Florida. Yeah, you do. I mean, there's really no reason not to live, to live there. there. I used to live in uh, Fort Myers, <laughs> Fort, between Fort Myers and Naples. I used to live in Bonita Springs for yeah, two years. Yeah, I'm going to go out in the pool as soon as I get off this thing. I, you Man. Shoveling snow. I'm going to turn up the heat. <laughs> But I, I saw your post today. I do miss the pizza. The pizza sucks in Florida. I know. <laughs> Big time. Well, um, Brett, it's such a pleasure talking to you. We can talk for hours yes. and hours and hours. Yes. You, you are a, a great, um, great expert in the auto industry, and, and um, your knowledge is amazing. So Thank you. I, I appreciate all that you do, and I admire you, and I follow your, your content. And... Um, you would be a great role model to any anybody that wanted to get into the car business. That, that it's just it's just that the hustle always wins. That's it. That's right. Well, that what, a, what a great wins. ending! What a great ending, my friend. Is there anything you want to say in closing before you go? I'm sure you're going to be guest to our show again. <laughs> no, I think we I think we've said it all. I just think that uh, the car business is still great, and there's a lot more great people getting into it, and um, it's, it's 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 that industry where uh the better you work on yourself and the more training you do your paycheck keeps going up and for me i would never want to have a, a ceiling on my income or uh, uh everyone gets paid the same regardless of how motivated you know the person in the cubicle next to you is or not i could never work like that i want to be paid for doing a better job than than the person over there and that's exactly what the car business is well, Brad, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was such a pleasure to uh, get some of the insights 
and uh, I'm sure we'll see you again. Make it a great night. All right, thanks.